Welcome back to Freedom Fridays. In this episode of Freedom Fridays, we are going to continue our study of the nature of man with a discussion on what about gender and sexuality. Now, I know these are hot topics today. Um, just because of the misinformation that we get pushed to us from the media, from all sorts of different directions, remember, as we look into this, we're not going to look into science, although we could. We're not going to look into biology, although we definitely could. Um, we're not going to look into what you find in characteristics. We're not going to look at what you find in the media. We're not going to look at what you find written out somewhere else. We are going to look at the Word of God and the implications behind the Word of God and what does it say. Because as we've already defined in previous podcasts, this is our sole authority for life and practice. And so everything has to come under the authority of the Word of God. So again, as we look into this, it doesn't matter what somebody feels. It matters what the truth of the Word of God is. And so when we look at gender, today many people will say, well, gender has been redefined as XYZ. Um, let me say you can't do that. You don't have the right to redefine what God has already defined. I'm sorry, but that is a very arrogant position to think that you have the right to redefine something that God has re already defined, uh, kind of like redefining marriage. You don't have the right to do that. Um, it, it's way above your pay grade. It's God's decision, not yours. You don't have the right to define uh, morality. You don't have the right to define right and wrong. You don't have the right to define who goes to heaven, who doesn't. You don't have the right to define a lot of these things because God has reserved the right alone to define these things. So when you say, well, you know, the term you're using has been redefined, I say baloney. Um, God defined it, and so we are going to use it as God defined it. Genesis chapter 1, very first chapter of the Bible, um, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over the earth, all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God has, is creating mankind in his image. And now verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So how many genders are there? Uh, can we add a bunch of other things to it. Are there more than two genders? Uh, this whole concept of cisgender, I don't even know where they got that term other than it's traditional genders. Well, the reason it's traditional is because it's the way God created it. God created male and female. Anything beyond male and female as far as genders go are not created by God. They they might be some concept of man, some thought of man, but they are not the creation of God. 
God created them male and female, right from the beginning, verse 27 of chapter 1. Verse 28, God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So after he already defines, I've created mankind as male and female, there are two genders, Here's why I did it, he says in the very next verse, so that they can be fruitful and multiply. Female, female, you can't get that. Um, Male, male, you can't get that. Male, female is the only way that you get fruitful and multiply. And by the way, he didn't just create these two being the only two genders for humans, for mankind. All of the animal kingdom has male, female. So... There's that as well. Now, if you go to chapter 2, which goes a deeper dive into how man was created, verse 7, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground. This is speaking of the, the male of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So this was Adam. Down in verses 18 through 20, we see Eve. Uh, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle, all the birds of the sky, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. Drop down to verse 22. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. Verse 23. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So you have here the creation of man and woman. The two genders, male, female, man, woman, same thing. Um, It seems lately that even um, our latest Supreme Court justice can't define woman. I can define it for you right here. It's, it's rather simple. Verse 24, he goes to the same thing he did in verse 28 of chapter 1. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Gives reasons for why there's man and woman. They're not just the companionship, but the whole marriage relationship, which is defined by God here. Uh, Chapter 5 of Genesis, verse 2, He created them male and female, and he blessed them and named them uh, man in the day that when they were created. So mankind was created male and female. What genders are there? Repeat after me. Male and female. Malachi chapter 2, the very last book of the Old Testament, verses 14 through 16 Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth, against whom you have dealt treacherously, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But not one has done so who has a remnant of the Spirit. 
And what did that one do while he was seeking a godly offspring? While he um, and what did that one do while he was seeking a godly offspring? Take heed then to your spirit, and let no one deal treacherously against the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel, and him who covers his garment with wrong, says the Lord of hosts. So take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Here he's talking to the people who have gone away from his design and they're being um, condemned for it. And he says, what was he seeking? He was seeking godly offspring. That can only happen with male and female. Matthew chapter 19 and verses 4 through 6. This is also reiterated in Mark 10 verses 6 through 9. We're not going to read both of them because they're identical. Matthew 19 verses 4 through 6. And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them, this is Jesus speaking, from the beginning made them male and female? So if you didn't take it from the book of Genesis, take it right from the mouth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God the Son, the deity, as he says, he created them from the beginning. He made them male and female and said, verse 5, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And let's add uh, what had God has defined, let mo no man think he can redefine. Um, there's so much in here. A father and a mother, a male and a female again. A man and his wife, a male and female again. They become one flesh, which can also talk to the sexual union between them to produce godly offspring. Again, the whole, the whole purpose of male and female is to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And uh, some may say, well, when did this happen? You know, there some people have said, well, we all start out as female and then in the womb and then become male, which is, by the way, a bunch of, this is the technical term, hogwash. Uh, verse, verses uh, 13 through 16 of Psalm 139, For you formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Verse 16, your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. So God created you, and God created me the way he wanted us in our mother's womb before we were ever even imagined by our parents. See, here's part of the implication of this. If you say, well, it, it was an oops, it was a, it was a, 
mistake, the, the, the way the DNA came together, I should have been a woman instead of a man. Or if you're a woman and you say, oh, I should have been a man instead of a woman, or I, I should have been both. Um, then what you are saying is that when God here in Psalm 139, as it's defined, that he made you intricately and wonderfully as you were being knit together in secret, that he defined all of your days before you even had one day, you're saying that when God made you the gender that you are, and when I talk about gender, I'm talking about the way you came out your mama. When God made you a male, God made you a female, God did not make any mistakes. When you're saying, oh, I should have been this, you are actually saying God sinned. God made a mistake. Um, I have news for you. God doesn't make mistakes. We do. We make lots of them. And one of your mistakes is saying that God made you incorrectly. That is a sin as we are attributing error to God. And so we need to be very careful. As we look into the scripture, the scripture does not support this whole ideology today that there are more than two genders. You do not find that anywhere in the scripture. Um, in, in fact, God tells us why people go down these roads of moving away from his definition and just remember, these implications are, are huge. You can't say that um, you are following the scriptures and that there are multiple genders other than two. There are uh, you know, three, four, five. You can only say you're following the scriptures when you say there are two genders. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So anyone who suppresses the truth, anyone who practices unrighteousness or ungodliness, God's wrath is poured out on. Verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. And he's going to say in the next verses, we're going to read them in a second. You can look around you and you can see that God exists. You can see his power. You can see his eternal nature. You can see his Godhead in the creation that he created. That includes you and I. That includes making us male and female. For the wrath of God is revealed. Okay, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. So we are without excuse because we can see everything that God has. For even though they knew God, because we're without excuse, we can see that he exists, even though people don't want to admit it. They did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And that's exactly what we're seeing. We're seeing people who don't want to be accountable to God, 
who have temptations and want to just give in to those temptations whatever way they are, or have some confusion and don't want to seek the will of God and the Word of God for the definitions and for the uh, design to clear up that confusion. And so they go to their own fleshly ideas and have completely pushed God out and their foolish hearts have been darkened. Uh, they've become futile in their speculations. Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. This is not just idols. We worship our bodies. We worship our sexuality. We worship the, the things that we want them to be. And it says that by us thinking that we're so wise in these things and that we know better, we have actually defined ourselves as fools. If we go to Leviticus chapter 20, now moving into the realm of sexuality, what is it in, uh, what is how does God define sexuality? Leviticus chapter 20 gives a whole bunch of um, rules as to where he defines sexuality. I'm not going to read all of them. I'm going to go to specific ones that talk about the, the topic at hand because he, but God also defines in this sexuality in, in, as well as in Genesis chapter one and Genesis chapter two, He'll leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That is God's design for sexuality. A husband and a wife married monogamous relationship for life. That is God's design. Anything that deviates from that design sexually is evil. It is um, unrighteousness, ungodliness. It is wrong. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13 if there is a man who lies with a male, as those who lie with a woman, both of them have committed a detestable act. Down in verse 15, if there is a man who lies with an animal, he shall surely be put to death. Down in verse 16, if there is a woman who approaches any animal to mate with it, you shall kill the woman and the animal. This is very serious to God. Homosexuality or bestiality is definitely not in the design of God. So where did those things come from if they are not in the design of God? Back to Romans chapter 1, verse 24, continuing this same idea. They've shut God out, and so their minds have become darkened. They're professing to be wise. They've become fools. Verse 24, continuing right after what we just stopped earlier. Therefore God gave them over in their lusts of their hearts to impurity. Realize this is impurity. This is not the way that God designed it. This is impurity. This is immorality. This is unrighteousness. So that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. The truth of God is he created us male and female. The truth of God is that he created us to, to, if we get married, to have one man and one woman for life. 
And there's no other relationship that's apart from that marriage relationship. Um, So they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. You're going by your own feelings instead of what God has designed. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their persons the due penalty of their error. And so you see, in no uncertain terms, those who tell you that the Bible condones homosexuality are false teachers. The Bible is very clear, especially right here, especially in Leviticus chapter 20 that we just read. The Bible does not condone homosexuality. So what about other sexuality? Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 3, but immorality or sexual immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. He's saying no sexual immorality, nothing outside of the design of God, of one man, one woman for life in a marriage relationship, nothing outside of that, anything outside of that is immorality. And nothing outside of that should be even named among you because it's not proper among the saints. Again, down in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. What is sanctification? Becoming more like Christ. Becoming more like the design that God has designed you to be and designed you for. This is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. He lays it straight out. Any type of sexual immorality is the exact opposite of your sanctification of becoming more like God, becoming more like Christ in the way he has designed you. And then we're going to close by going to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 in verse 18, where he says, flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. If you are involved in immorality, anything outside of a one-man, one-woman marriage relationship for life, then you are sinning against God and against your own body. Thank you for tuning in to Freedom Fridays. We will continue this discussion on the nature of man next week. We'll see you then on Freedom Fridays.